Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. You know, God has a way of teaching you to trust Him. God's got a way of using life situations and life circumstances to teach you to live out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We, we can memorize it. We can quote it. Heck, we can get it tattooed across our shoulder blade. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not thine understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But how many of you could bear witness with the pastor and the worship team this morning? Sometimes it takes life just getting ridiculous to teach me how to hold on to God. Come on. Sometimes it takes chaos. Sometimes it takes craziness. Now, when I say craziness, you're not supposed to hit your spouse. I'm talking about life just happening. And it teaches you to lean on Jesus. One more time, let's just put our hands together and give him praise. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. Thank you for standing. Have a seat. Let's, let's go to God's word. Acts, the book of Acts in chapter number 27. And while you're turning there, let me say how excited I am about the month of August. And not just us going to two gatherings. We are in the home stretch of the summer. People are getting their vacations in. Many of our, much of our congregation is uh, checking that box before school comes back. And I am excited about uh, God blessing the two services that we're going to do. But I do want you to remember, just as important as us logistically going to two gatherings, remember every Sunday in the month of August, we're doing family dedication. Traditionally, you probably know it as a baby dedication or a child dedication, but we are going to do them every Sunday in each gathering. We've got five spots in the nine, five spots in the 11 every Sunday during the month of August. Uh, My wife and I are going to register. We're going to be a part of it. Now, let me give you perspective. I've got three in high school and one that just graduated this past year and is in college, and we're, st- we're still going to do it. I, I-, I don't want to really put an age boundary on this thing because, uh, yes, we have dedicated to raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but it's going to be good for Ashley and I. It's going to be a special time because here's what, here's what we want to do. We don't want to just do this with our kids. We want to do this with y'all. So her and I are going to be a part of the very last Sunday, and we're going to partake of this family dedication. And, and listen, I want you to understand something. We're so intentional about what we're wanting to do to partner with you as a parent or a grandparent or a guardian that every family that registers for our family dedication, you're also going to get specific follow-up from Ashley and I. Her and I are also going to do some podcasts for the month of September. And then we've actually set aside a Saturday in September, after the month of August is gone, we set aside a Saturday where we're going to have a two-hour session right here on the property with all of the families that registered and partook of the dedication. It's going to be really cool because we're going to have an outside activity area for all the kids that participated. Uh, it's going to be cool. We, we, we've got a company from Atlanta coming down. They're going to be doing a foam party for us. I'm going to have to try to keep a lot of the adults from going out there and, and, and reliving their senior frog spring break. I, I've, I've got to try to keep them in here and keep things interesting. 
They're going to have a foam party. They've got inflatables. They're going to have a great time. We're going to feed them. We're also going to feed all the adults. But here's something we're going to do. In this room, while the kids are having a big time, Ashley and I are going to do a session that's a lot more specific and practical than the things we talk about on Sundays here. And then we're even going to do a Q&A. We're going to give you an opportunity to ask questions. And her and I, not as much as pastors, but as parents, try to answer some of those questions. And it's going to be a powerful time. We're going to eat together. Then we're going to all go out there and play. Yes, I'm going to let us all get in the phone before it's over with. We're going to have a great time. And so, listen, I just want you to understand that this family dedication we're doing, it's not just about that Sunday morning. It's not just about a ceremony in the service, and I want you to do it. I want you to bring your family, get your grandparents, get your parents, get everybody here for it. We want that to be a big deal. But the follow-up that we're wanting to do with you is just as important, because I want you to understand that this isn't about checking a box, getting a gift, getting a certificate, doing a photo booth, photo booth shot with me after the service. It's more than that. We want to take it so much further and help you as a mom or a dad, regardless of your child's age, leverage the power of partnership between a church and a family. If you believe God's moving in the next generation, can you just clap your hands right now? I believe he's going to do great things at our church in the next generation. If you have your Bible, I, listen, today I just want to encourage you. I just, I just want this word to be a blessing to you. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what your plans were going to be for today, but I believe you are divinely appointed to be in this room today, and God has put a word in my spirit, and it is my objective to just encourage you. I don't know what you're going through. It doesn't, it's nobody's business what you're facing and what you're going through right now, but God brought me over here today with a word just for you, and I want to encourage you. And I'm going to use the next two weeks to really give you some things that you want to put in your quiver, some things to put in your pocket, and today... I just want to bless you. Acts chapter 27. Acts 27. This is a really cool story. In fact, the entire passage is one story. It's, it's a story about where Paul, who has been taken prisoner in Christian persecution, he has been put on a boat with 275 other people. Most of the people that he's on, on the ship with are prisoners like himself. And they are headed to Rome. Paul's plan and the objective here is that he is going to appeal his case before Caesar Augustus. But y'all know how Paul is. He's not going to use that opportunity just to appeal his case. He's going to use that as an opportunity in Caesar's household to present the gospel, to testify about what Jesus has done in his life. And what I want to do is I want to just tiptoe through a few verses to give you the overarching framework of this story. Look at verse 1, and we're going to jump through a few of them. Verse 1. When it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. Now, this is Luke writing Acts. The guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke is also writing the book of Acts. Luke says they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And look at this. Look at the first phrasing of verse 2. And entering into a ship. Just underline that phrase. They got into a ship. Skip down to verse 9 with me. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. 
not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Skip down to verse 14. But not long after, there arose against it, that is the boat, a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. Verse 18, and we being exceeding, you see how the story is building? The dramatics and the dynamics of the story are building and building. Verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Look at verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Serves, I like this right here. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Y'all should have listened to me, he says, and not have loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Watch this. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. Watch this. But of the ship. There shall be no loss of any man's life. Nobody's dying today. Nobody's drowning today. But the only thing we will lose is the ship. I want to encourage you this morning and preach on this thought, surviving the shipwreck. Surviving the shipwreck. It's apparent to you and I as the reader in these words that Paul speaks in verse 22 that he is aware through divine intervention, of course, he is aware that the ship is going down. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. I wish it always happened that way. I wish that we could always know when a certain boat was going to go down. I wish we could know before we ever got on board some ships in this life whether or not it was going to make it. Because I think the truth be told and the testimony of this room could agree with the Rev this morning. There are some things, there's some seasons, there's some relationships, there's some jobs, there's some places in our past that had we known how it was going to turn out, we never would have got on board to begin with. Somebody holler at your boy this morning if you're with me. If I would have known that it was going to turn out like that. If I would have known that thing was going to capsize, if I would have known that thing was going to crash, if I, if I would have known that it would have broken to a million different pieces, I never would have ventured aboard that vessel. I think the truth is if you and I always knew how everything was going to turn out, one, we would never need to live by faith. We would never trust God. And we would be the most obnoxious know-it-all on this planet. I need a witness right there. I cannot stand it. I love Paul, but I can't stand it when I get halfway through a situation and somebody looks at me and goes, well, I, I could have told you it's going to be like that. Well, why didn't you tell me it was going to be like that? I think even far greater, far greater affliction on our spirit is that a lot of times we can't help what ship we're sailing on. 
A lot of times it's not even our choice. Some of us are kind of like that crew in the book of Jonah. We're on a boat, but we're in a storm, and it's not even our fault that it's raining. It's not even our fault that everything is getting tossed to and fro. We done hooked up or saddled up with somebody or we're riding with somebody that's causing things to be turbulent and we really don't want to throw them overboard. We're tempted a few times. Oh, come on now, when the shoe's on the other foot and you're the reason somebody's life is getting messy, aren't you grateful they don't always toss you over when it starts to rain? See, a lot of times you and I, we, we can't help what ship that we are on. Paul couldn't. He had no choice. He went shackled and chained aboard this boat to Italy. And far less control, here's something to consider, far less control than you and I have on the ship that we sit in is the storm and the weather that may turn against us. Outcast said it right. You can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. We can get Channel 2 and Channel 5, and we can look at our weather app and all that stuff, but the reality is in life, you cannot predict, nor can you control the scenarios and the situations that lay around the corner. I know this church. I know this team. I know this staff. I know myself. I'm very, very familiar with the heartbeat of this church to follow Jesus, come what may. Many of us have taken him at his word, and we have denied ourselves, and we have picked up our cross, and we are following him. We are not only willing to live for him, but we are willing to die for him. Come what may in America, come what may in our society, come what may in our government. No matter what things look like, we're going to serve Jesus. Whether it's right here in this property, underground basement church, we're going to serve Jesus and we're going to follow him. And we have to understand that once we sign up to follow him, we're not just citizens and family members. We're also soldiers and we are sailors. We are crewmen aboard a vessel. And this ship of Zion, it has been tattered. It has been torn. It has been beat. It has been battered. But I want to submit to you, listen to me, there is never a passage in the scripture where God promised or guaranteed you that it was going to be smooth sailing. He never told you that it was going to be it was going to be whipped cream and and pudding. He never told you that it was going to be easy. He never told you that the waters would not come against you. He never told you that circumstances would not turn upside down. He never told you. He never guaranteed you that your marriage would make it without fire, without trial. He never told you that your kids would never turn their backs on you or their backs on God. He never told you that you wouldn't go through depression. He never told you or guaranteed you that you wouldn't battle with the demons and the darkness of suicide. He never told you none of that stuff you were going to be exempt from it. All he promised you is that he would be with you through the turbulent times. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But he never told you and he never told I it would be easy. He doesn't hand out victories without fighting. We don't get our trophies by just playing on the field. And you got to understand that when you get on a ship, you are very much in line for a storm. Storms. They come and they go. When you're in the middle of one, it feels like it's going to last forever. There's never been a hurricane. There's never been a tornado. There's never been a storm that lasts forever. But when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to convince somebody that it's not always going to be like this. See, that's what storms do. Storms come, they discourage you. They depress you. And the ultimate objective there that the devil leverages with wind and rain and adversity is he, try to, he uses that stuff to disconnect you from God. 
because he wants you to doubt God's faithfulness. He wants you to doubt God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. And he wants you to doubt God's presence in your life. I want you to look, listen to me. I want you to look at my God-given eyeballs, and I want you to understand today that the storms of life, they are inevitable. They are unavoidable. It is going to come. In fact, there are some people in this room that could testify even right now this morning because they just came through a storm that they did not see. A storm that put them, I'm talking on the ragged edge of despair. There are some people right now, today you are in the middle of a storm. There is a crisis at your address. There is chaos happening in your head. Let me say this, some of the storms that we face and some of the storms that we have to sail through aren't even circumstantial. A lot of them are mental, emotional, psychological, and where are my ministers at? Spiritual. Sometimes it can look like it's smooth sailing all around, but inside of my head, things are being tossed left and right, and I feel like I am drowning. I know the scripture. I know how to pray. I know how to encourage myself. I can scroll through text messages that people have sent me. I can pull up blueletterbible.com or the app on my phone. I can go and get by myself in my car and I can supercharge myself. But sometimes it does not calm the chaos in my head. There's a reality this morning that a lot of ships will one day sit in the middle of a storm that will rage out of control in your life and it's going to come after your marriage, it's going to come after your mentality, it's going to come after your church, it's going to come after your dreams, it's going to come after, it'll hit you at work, it'll hit you at home, it'll, I'm talking the waves and the wind and the storm, it is relentless, it is unmerciful, it is continual and it will pound upon your life until your vessel splinters into a million different people. Listen to me. I have preachers right now that I'm consulting. Preachers who are ready to walk away from their church. I mean, I just talked to three this past week, pastors. The average lifespan of a pastor in a church is 18 months. 18 months. Believers, I'm talking good godly people in this room, and their marriage is a mess. And let me tell you something. We do such a good job of acting when we're in this room. Come on, somebody. Talk, talk to, don't look at me like that. I'll preach 10 hours, bless God. I'm serious. Like we do, and I'm not saying we shouldn't come in here and be glad. I'm not saying we don't come in here and rejoice. I'm not saying we ain't supposed to come in here and praise because I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing you faced this week or nothing you stepped in this week that ought to detract or take away from the glory that God is worthy of in your life. So by all means, we are to clap our hands. We are supposed to smile from ear to ear. We ought to be, we ought, there ought to be times in the worship service that we got to call a timeout and get on our feet and just lift our hands and clap them and praise the great God of glory because he's worthy. He is great. And he's greatly to be praised. But the reality is a lot of us put on our best face. I mean, before you showed up, it was. And you come in going, how you doing, brother? Amen. So good to be here. Amen. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Well, you swallowed every pill TBN pushes. Are you, what are you doing? God, I'm so glad that Jesus has turned this church into a hospital. 
a place where people can get real, where they can be honest, small groups, where, where bless God, that there's, there's, there's things that we can cough up and things that we can share and things that we can bear. And yeah, there are times in your life where every man must bear his own burden, but Paul also said that we are to bear one another's burdens. And I'm, I just want to stop and say I'm thankful for the crew that I get to sail with. We got some precious cargo in this ship, and I value the relationships. I value the friendships. And every time that the devil tries to tell me you're all by yourself and nobody knows and nobody cares. It's lonely being a leader at the top of the ladder. I just point him to all the friends and I point him to all the family and I say, if you monkey with me, if you mess with me, if you mess with one son, you're going to have to mess with all the other sons. If you mess with one daughter, you're going to have to mess with the whole family. I'm thankful for the crew. That I sail with. But knowing that we've got precious cargo and knowing there's this wonderful crew, and just like Paul and those prisoners in the story, knowing that we're on course, this is where it gets confusing because you and I think, and we've preached this so many times, you and I think the course is supposed to be a straight line. And if you read the passage entirely, you find out it's anything but a straight line. Like verse 7 talks about them sailing slowly. Like sometimes the voyage is just slow. Like you're not getting where you're supposed to go fast enough. Things aren't happening fast enough. And sometimes things get to a place where God starts separating stuff from your life. Remember when it started getting a little turbulent, they started throwing stuff overboard? See, God will use the adversity of wind and difficulty in your life to show you there's some stuff you're sailing with that doesn't belong on board. I don't like this storm, but you're going to like what it does for you spiritually. Sometimes it gets stormy, and, you, and, and sometimes you just feel stuck. He even said there was a part where it was so scary, they didn't see the sun, they didn't see the stars, they didn't see the moon for 14 days. And they just dropped anchor. And you know what's so cool about this story is when they were dropping anchor, there were some people on board. Watch this. They didn't want to take their chances being on the ship. So they go over to the side of the boat and they act like they're going to drop anchors. But what they're really doing is letting down lifeboats. Their mindset was, we're not willing to take chances with being on board this ship. So we've got a plan B. And we're going to lower that lifeboat. And Paul saw what they were doing. And he says, oh, hey, hey. Except you stay on board, you're not going to make it. I know you think this is the most dangerous place to be. But God told me to tell you. I, I like it when somebody says, God told me to tell you. And they're literally uttering the voice of the Lord. God told me to tell you, except you stay on board, you're not going to survive. Cut the lifeboats off. I want to say something. Your plan B is an insult to God. Your backup plan doesn't exist in the mind and will of God. There is no such thing as a plan B. There is no such thing as an alternative. And God said, I'm going to use this storm to teach you that you don't need nothing but me, where I put you, and who I put you with. Cut the lifeboats off. 
And what I love is when they dropped anchor, it was God's way of teaching them to stay on board. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Sometimes faith is what will teach you to stay on board. Some of y'all need to learn how to drop anchor because you've never stayed anywhere long enough to see God be faithful. You never stayed anywhere. Listen to me. I'm going to help you right here. I'm going to help you. There are a lot of people in this area, they have more bounce than a pinball because they go from church to church to congregation to preacher to preacher to this place to that place because they're trying to find something to check the box in the list of their preferences. You are a preference-driven Christian, and that is an oxymoron. You look for convenience in your Christianity. There are no cushions attached to our crosses. It is hard. It is difficult. There is suffering. There is persecution. This is a battle. This is a war. We are on the very front line of the enemy and we are up against a kingdom of domain and darkness that is coming against our children and our grandchildren and we have got to understand that as we sail aboard this ship, sometimes the waters may get wacky. I need a witness if you know what I'm preaching. Robbie and I have joked over the years because there's been times when I preached out of Matthew 14. Jesus is walking on water and the disciples are in a storm and Peter stands up and says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to thee on the water. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. And there's been times I was preaching and I'd be saying, get out of the boat. God wants you to get out of the boat. And then there's times where I've preached this sermon. I've preached out of this text and he's telling everybody, stay on the boat, stay on board. And Robbie come to me joking and one time he goes, I don't know what the heck God ever wants me to do. Do I leave the boat or do I stay on board? And we've always laughed about it. I've never had an answer until this week. In Matthew 14, faith was calling him to step off board. In Acts 27, faith was calling them to stay on board. In Acts 27, if they would have left the boat, it wouldn't have been out of faith. It would have been out of fear. If you didn't hear what Pastor Jeff preached a few weeks ago, you need to go on the podcast and listen to the message he preached on fear. Because there are a lot of people in this room, you're stepping by fear, not staying by faith. That's free. Don't skip that ad. Put it in your pocket. Tell the devil to suck it. And let's give God some praise. They're sailing through this sea. And everybody's biting their nails down. Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get there in a second. And, and, and Paul, listen, you need people like Paul on your ship. Because some, sometimes I need somebody to hear God for me. This is, this is, this, listen, if you think you get churched on Sunday mornings, you should try being a part of a small group. You should try coming to a discipleship class. You talk about somebody having their ear bent towards the wind and hearing what God says in your life. I don't know about you, but last time I checked, all of my lost friends and all of the world is lining up to deceive me, not edify me. Lining up to discourage me, not encourage me. Can I get some middle and high school students to just nod their head if you don't want to mind? The world's got people lined up in your life assigned by darkness to pollute your mindset. And Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost as often as he does, he says, be of good cheer. He said, the angel of the Lord stood by me this night, whose I am. And he, he told me to tell y'all 
that we will make it to Rome and I will stand before Caesar. Now this is really cool because they have not yet seen land. They have not yet made it to the other side. But while they're in the middle of the storm, standing on the ship, God sends a messenger down by Paul's side and says, you're going to stand in front of Caesar. He can't even see the shoreline of Italy. He can't even see the stars, the moon, or, or the sun. I mean, all he knows is stormy weather. And God says, you're going to get to the other side. You're going to make it through this storm. And God brought me here to stand aboard your ship today and just remind you one more time that the captain, the one who made the sea and owns the boat in which you sail, he is as close to you right now as he was in that story to Paul on that ship. And he is going to get you because you know what? Your, God ain't done with you. Yeah, I'm going to help somebody right now. God ain't done with you. There are some places in life you need to stand. There are some places in life you need to go. And God ain't about to let you drown. God ain't about to let you die. God is not going to abandon you. God is not going to turn the other way and throw you a life preserver. I am here to tell you, as long as God is aboard your ship, as long as God is standing by your side, he is not going to let harm come to you and drown you or discourage you or disconnect you. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some times in my life where I thought I was abandoned, I was isolated, I was drowning in the waters of obscurity, but there was a God who stood by me in the darkest hours of my life, and I am here today, I'm talking, I thought I was going to die at 25, I thought my life had fallen apart at 27, but here I am at the beautiful ripe age of the 4-0, and I'm here to tell you that I am still alive, and God is still faithful, and he has never ever walked away. He is faithful to stay by our side. Let's give him glory in the house. Knowing that the chorus is all over the place and that the captain is faithful, there's something, there's something I want you to take away today in closing, and I want, I want God to tattoo this to your soul because I don't want to mislead you. If I was a prosperity gospel preacher, I'd stop my sermon right there. If I was a self-help, let's all feel good and warm and cozy inside, I'd stop my sermon and, and we'd, we'd, listen, we'd beat every Baptist to the buffet. But I, I'm here on a mission to give you some truth. Because even though he knew he was getting to the other side. And even though he had a personal visit from God, none of that stuff, none of that stuff canceled out what happened next. Because sometimes there's nothing you can do to keep your ship from wrecking. You know, verse 40 is interesting. Can you put verse 40 up there, Landis? Let's go to 40. Look at this. When they had taken up the anchors. I, oh, let me say this. You, you can't. There's some places you can't stay forever. There's some places God's not going to let you get anchored to forever. And, and the Bible says they took up the anchors. They committed themselves under the sea. They loosed the rudder bands. They hoisted up the mainsail to the wind. And they made toward shore. They just, they, they just let the boat go. It was almost like God said, all right, turn it loose. 
Like they've pulled in the oars, they've pulled up the anchors, they've hoisted the mainsail. They are completely dependent on the wind. Like they're at a point where there's no more rowing. Is it interesting that sometimes God would rather you depend on the wind instead of your work? Because you will wear yourself out trying to go a direction that the wind is not supposed to take you. There are people in this room, God has called you to do something. God is trying, and you know what? You're like Jonah. You're like me. You're like Pastor Jeff. You're an idiot, and you don't listen to God. And you want to go this way, and God's like, no, I don't need you anchored down there. I don't need you rowing there. I need you to pull the paddles in, set the sail, because if you'll depend on the wind, I will use the wind to blow you in the direction you're supposed to go. So they stop fighting. No, it doesn't turn out pretty. They stop fighting. They throw up the wind. And look what the Bible says in 41. Falling into a place where two seas met. They ran the ship aground. The forepart. Now you need to see this. Let imagery speak to you. The forepart of the ship gets wedged, stuck into the ground, and remains unmovable. The back part of the ship, where the rudder is, is just, I mean, it's literally their tail is hanging in the wind. The violence of where these two seas merge is so destructive that it literally breaks the ship into pieces, starting at the back and destroying the entire boat in which these guys are. I want you to listen to me. Sometimes... You just got to let things crash. Sometimes what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Any of y'all ever live by that phrase, it is what it is? That was about a four or five year period of me and Ashley's lives where our response to everything was, I don't know, and it is what it is which is so funny because I don't know means you don't have a clue. And it is what it is means I know exactly what it is. And it is what it is. I can't say that again, so I hope you're paying attention. And I'm talking, maybe, here's a thought. Maybe that ship that you were on was supposed to be seasonal. Like, God never guaranteed the ship, just the trip. Woo! We need to tweet that joker. Hashtag trendy. But he didn't. He never he didn't. He didn't guarantee the ship. He even reminded Paul of that. I'm not telling you the ship's going to make it. I'm telling you, you are. And sometimes you and I are in situations or seasons of our life, and we want that thing to last. And God's like, no, no, no. That boat was a starting place, and you let a starting place become a safe place. And sometimes I have to break the safe places because that wasn't supposed to last forever. They let it crash. And when, when it crashes, go, go, to, uh, go to 42, Landis. This is funny. As the boat wrecks, pieces of wood flying everywhere. Men, prisoners jumping off the ship into the water. The soldiers' counsel was to kill them. 
I, I wrote this down. I remembered it, so I ain't got to look at it. But God told me to tell you this. Shipwreck will reveal who's for you and who's against you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people that want to see you die in the water. There's a lot of people that want to see you drown in the water. There's a lot of people that heard what you said God was going to do in your life, and they're over there taking notes going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. And then they got a front row seat to watch everything crash, and they want to see you go down. I, I am so thankful that God does not pull the opinion of haters to determine his will in our life. And I am so grateful that there is an audience watching, not so they can see what I do, but so they can see what God does through my storm. Somebody give him praise. He said, kill them. They don't need to escape. Just kill them right where they are. And, and the Bible says in verse 43, the centurion willing to save Paul commit kept them from their purpose, commanded that they which should swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Look at verse 44. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. The Bible says that when the boat broke, there were broken pieces floating in the water. And everybody that survived and everybody that made it safe to land grabbed on to a broken piece and hung on and floated to the shore. God will use shipwreck to show you the things that are made to float to show you what you have left and to show you that what you have left is enough to make it where you're supposed to go. God brought me over here today to tell you that even when you got broken pieces, you still got enough left. The shipwrecks that I have been through, God has taught me how to hang on. I'm talking, I'm talking about He has taught me how to tighten my grip on the things that are precious. He has taught me how to tighten my grip on the things that I needed. Listen to me. I'm talking about stuff that you may have taken for granted, stuff you may have overlooked. I'm about to help somebody up in this room. My God, I can sense it right now in my bones. There are some things that will be left behind that God wants to show you this is what you were missing. This is what you needed all alone. I remember 2009. And 10 were the worst two years of my life. I went through a divorce. And, and, and as, a, as a pastor, you, you, don't, you, don't go, you don't go through that storm and survive. No, pastors, pastors don't have life happen to them like that. And from where I come from, the legalistic background I come from, if, 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 you, if you venture the waters of divorce, God is done with you. I, I saw a guy this week in Jefferson at a coffee shop, and I haven't seen him and since 2010, and I didn't even hear him. In, I didn't see him in 2010. I heard him. He left a voicemail on my phone and said, God is sovereign, and God, God knew the day you got saved that you were going to go through a divorce. And because God is sovereign, God never would have called you to preach to begin with. You may think you're called, and you may think God put you in ministry, but I want you to know God never, ever anointed you to preach the gospel. 
Just be a regular Christian and stay out of the pulpit. And I had that voicemail on my phone. I saw him. I was working on this sermon this week, and I saw him at a coffee shop. And I was like, Lord, can I take the broken pieces and lay hands on man suddenly? (laughs) 2009, 2010 was the worst years of my life. Me and Ashley didn't know what the heck to do with ourselves. We didn't know if we should walk away from each other, if we should get married. We, we didn't know where to start. We didn't even know what restoration was supposed to look like. I went from walking in my house at any time and my, my little girls be in the floor playing to I see them every other weekend. I lost the church I pastored. I lost the house I lived in. I moved back in. I'm starting over. I'm, I'm 26. I mean, I just went from pastoring, watching God save people every week and the Holy Ghost fall, and everything fell apart because I sailed through the rocky waters of divorce. For some people, it's not divorce. Some people, they sail through the waters of death. Some people sail through the waters of depression. Some of y'all are in it right now, and you come out the other side, and you feel like you've got nothing left. I'm going to tell you something, what's crazy is is going through a divorce and losing the ministry and losing my passion for preaching and everything. You know what it did? It made me a better dad than I ever would have been had it not happened. I didn't have have a phone ringing off the hook. Come to the hospital. Come to this house. Come counsel me. I need to talk to you. Can I have a meeting with you? Hey, will you come preach at our tent revival? Hey, will you? I, I, I didn't have that. Stuff just got still. Everything got stripped away. I'm sitting at a gym working till 8 o'clock at night watching people on treadmills running, going nowhere, while the Holy Ghost is saying, that's exactly what you're doing too. You're running and you're not going anywhere. I I felt like I had nothing. I lost all my friends. Like imagine, I know it's hard to imagine, but imagine me getting up next Sunday and going, hey, my life has become a living hell. The ministry is successful. My marriage has fallen apart. I'm getting divorced, and I'm resigning this church. Like that. Walk in one Sunday, I'm done. I'm sorry. I love. Um, imagine, imagine all of a sudden I just go invisible. I'm off the grid. Like I, You can't find me. You can't talk to me. I've changed my number. You don't know where I'm living. And we never see. We don't, we ne- this moment, this glory... This thing that God's doing, this, like being able to walk in the office and see each other tomorrow and plan and dream and being able to lay hands on you here in this altar and watch God stir in your heart. Imagine it just dying today. That's what it was like. And I felt like I had nothing left. And about two and a half years went by. And God finally one day got me to myself. And he said, shut up. Stop crying over what you lost and start clinging to what you got left. You are so enamored and focused on everything that slipped through your fingertips that you are missing everything that is still floating within reach. 
Do you really think that I'm that weak of a God that my destiny in your life is defined by your greatest failure and sin? You need to wake up and smell the roses, Derek Anglin, because I started this thing with you, and if I started it with you, you can't finish it. A lawyer can't finish it. A judge can't finish it. A congregation can't finish it. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. God brought me over here to remind you, if you'll just open your eyes and reach out your hand, there's some broken pieces that are still left, enough that will keep you afloat and keep you alive. God didn't lead you here to die. He didn't lead you here to drown. This is not the end of your story. You need to look up. You need to wake up. You need to reach up because the Lord, he is your help. He is present in the time of trouble. Good God, I wish I had a Holy Ghost witness. Let every person that has held on, somebody give him praise. Somebody rejoice. My God. When we lost our location, it was just slapping pieces flying everywhere. Yeah, literally. You got 60 days to find a location. What? Crap floating everywhere in the water. People going under left and right. I ain't gonna lie, it was tempting to just be like, God helps me when things break like that. He helps me remember people like Henry and Leanne. He helps me remember this ministry saved their lives. They're going to heaven because this church exists. God's hand is on them because this church exists. Reminds me of JJ and Kayla. The miracle that God worked in their life when Grady was born. I mean, a literal, scientific, biological doctor scratching their heads. We don't know what to think of it. Miracle. God knew exactly. My, my brother, with that big old freaking head full of hair, anointed worship leader. and God took him and moved him somewhere else. And God moving him was just Jake moving over so you can move up. I love the fact that I never know what's going to happen on this stage. I don't know if it's going to be contemporary Christianity or bless God, it's going to feel like we're down at Tootsie's in Nashville. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. I, I just, when, when, when stuff got stripped away and I felt like there was nothing left, I'm like, I got a young man right here. Biologically, he ain't mine, but you better believe I call him son. And I have a mission to impart everything God's doing in me into Him. And I want God to do greater things with Him than He's ever done with me. But in the moment when everything's broken, you lose sight of everything that's floating. And He said, some on broken pieces. I, I, I said, Lord, I need a verse 
to drive this home. I need a verse to put, what were the pieces? Because I thought about telling you, hold on to your family, hold on to your spouse, hold on to your kids. But here's the deal. What do you do when those ships break? What do you do when you lose a ministry? What do you do when you lose a position? What do you do when you lose your job, you lose your house, you lose your mind, you lose your spouse? What do you do when you lose that? And God said, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abideth, which means remains. Now, right now, right now, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, which is also translated as love. And God told me to tell you there are three boards that everybody needs to hang Where are they at, JJ, over here? There's three boards everybody needs to hang on to. Lord God, it's dark back here. Three boards. Faith. Faith is the board. Faith is the board that keeps you leaning. Listen to me. You know one thing the devil really wants to strip from you? Jesus told Peter what it was. See, I don't think Judas Iscariot was Satan's first choice. I think it was Simon Peter. Because Jesus looked at Simon Peter. Joel, this will preach right here. He looked at Simon Peter. He said, Satan had desired to have you. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. I don't care what you lose. I don't care what gets stripped away. I don't care what falls apart. I don't care what breaks off. But the one thing I'm praying for, no matter what he sifts, faith is the thing that you're going to keep hanging on to. And I want to tell you something. God brought me over here today to tell you, whatever you lose, that's okay. Don't lose your faith. Your faith is what keeps you leaning. It keeps you trusting in the promises of God. Your faith will change your mind. Instead of blaming God for doing a bad job of being a good God, faith will say, no, he's faithful. Faith will say, no, I trust him. Faith will say, no, God's power and God's presence is not measured by my circumstantial settings. God is a constant. God will not change. And God cannot be swayed by the tempest, the storm. God is not swayed. He's not moved. He's not altered. He's not changed. The wind may blow. The rain may fall. The the, the thunder may clap and the lightning may flash, but God is not moved. I'm believing even though I've got nothing but the brokenness of my faith. I'm trusting. He says abides faith and then hope. Everybody say hope. I might not be able to see you, but bless God I can hear you. Say hope. He says we have hope. Hope, if faith is what keeps you leaning, hope is what keeps you looking. If you learn how to hold on to hope, see, my wife said one time, we were going through this, I said, I feel like I have no hope. We had just gotten married. I wasn't preaching yet. I still see my kids every weekend. We didn't have any friends. We lived on the east side of Athens in a little apartment. Starting all over. And I said, I feel like I don't have any hope. And the Holy Ghost convicted me because he spoke through Ashley and she said, Well, hope is just something to look forward to. And when she said that, God said, Are you telling me you don't have anything to look forward to? Because he said in 1 Corinthians 13 13, you, you can take all the superficial and all the supernatural. And when you strip it away at the end, you've always got faith, you've always got hope. Hope is what keeps you looking. Hope is when you are holding on for dear life and floating, trying to find your footing. Hope is what helps you believe 
The best is yet to come. Hope is what helps you look for the next side, the other side. I'm going to get through. Hope is what reminds you. Wait a second. God told me, God told me that me and Caesar were going to be talking. So if me and Caesar are going to be talking in Rome, there ain't no way I'm drowning right here. He says, faith remains and hope remains. And then he says, charity, which is the board that keeps me loving. When we started the church here, there was two things that happened in order for me to start this church. One, I had to love God. And I lost the love for God. I had to, reinst- I had to re- restore my love for God. Then I had to learn how to love myself. That's hard. That's hard to do. And a lot of times we get the great, the great commandment twisted. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy strength. What's the second part of that? Love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor what? As yourself. Which the implication in that verbiage is you have to love yourself if you're going to love anybody else. And God dealt with me heavily when we started this church 10 years ago because he's like, you've learned how to love me again. You're learning how to love yourself. But until you love me and you love yourself, you're not going to love them people you pastor. And I don't need you to love preaching more than the people. I don't need you to love being a pastor more than the people. And when we first started this church, I mean, I looked like a Heisman Trophy. I'll preach to you, but but stay over there because I've already been here and it wrecked. I've already done this and it broke. And there were so many Sundays. Remember at the shopping center? I don't know what it is with us and curtains, but we had the same thing at the shopping center. I'd be sitting over here and I'd be thinking, I'd be praying. And and you know what? Y'all out there having church for the first song, I'm over here trying to get with God, get my mind right, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get my, get my calibration and my aim set. And I'm over here on the other side of this curtain, and there's a devil over here with me. I'm on the other side of this curtain getting ready, and there's a devil going, what are you doing? If them people only knew about your past, if they only knew about your present, you are a hot mess. You ain't got no business being a pastor. You know God ain't still going to use you. His hand's not on you. I mean, look, 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 look at that room of people. Look at them people. You ain't got no business preaching on that stage. Look at them again. What are you, and there would be times on the other side of that curtain, I'm like, I know where I park. I can just get in my car and just drive off. And they just could figure it out. Just let go. Just let go. The greatest of the boards and the hardest to hold on to is love. First four years, Jeff Pierce worked with the church. Me and him were partners in ministry. Let me tell you something, we weren't friends. You mean y'all were enemies? No, 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 no. We were ministry-minded, we, but we were not friends. 
we had already both been on that ship and it broke. And I, I don't, I don't know if I want to love that preacher like this. And I forget, it was one Sunday. I'm sitting here telling this mushy story. I mean, you got to look each other in the eye tomorrow and be like, what's up, what's up man? Hey, what are you doing wrong? <laughs> what's up? What's up? We were in the shopping center, it, the forum. It was in the forum. That stupid little area we never could figure out what to do with right there. And I don't know what it was, but there was almost like a kindred spirit in a moment. And it was like the Holy Ghost said, you both went through shipwreck. You both survived. This is your dude. Hell or high water, this is your dude. Titanic or broken pieces, this is your dude. And if you want to get all the way to the other side with this joker, you're going to have to love him, which means you're going to have to let him in. You're going to have to let him in. And I'm like, but we got an easy thing going. Like, why, why, like, like, why, why has it got to get like that? God said, I need you to trust me with love again. And I don't need you to let heartbreak from the past keep you from holding on to what you still got left in the ministry of this church. I want to tell you something. If you're here this morning and you've lost your faith, God told me to tell you to reach your hand out because it's floating by. And it's enough to keep you afloat. God told me to tell you if you're in here and you've lost your, your hope, I feel a movie title coming on. Hope floats, baby. That's right. I'm cheesier than a rat, bless God. <laughs> Stay on board with me now. Don't do that. Don't do that to me, y'all. No, I'm serious. Who in this room has lost something to look forward to? Grab your hope. And a lot of us have been challenged because our ship broke and we feel like we're going under and God wants to teach you to love again. And you know what it starts with? No, no, no. It don't start with you forgiving. It don't start with you getting over. It starts with you grabbing on and rekindling your love for God. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you fall back in love with Jesus again, and you realize the love you're holding on to actually is holding you, honey, I'm going to tell you something. You'll build a boat out of that one board. I need a witness right there. And you will make it to the other side. Preacher, I think, I think we're probably going to go through a shipwreck. When it's over with, no matter what you lose, you've still got your faith, you've still got your hope, and you've still got your love. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.